Hello, and welcome to the last Just for Kicks of the soccer season. I am the boys soccer beat writer for Game Time CT, Scott Erickson, and we are joined, as always, by the girls soccer beat writer, Joe Morelli. Joe, how are you? A little bit warmer than yesterday, but we're doing just fine. We're a little warmer, but those are great games yesterday. I think we we both saw a bunch of good games. We both saw three games um, at the different sites. All the finals games were pretty competitive. I mean, we only had two games that were 2 nothing. Every other game was a one-goal game, which is, right. is is high drama in those games. Um, I, I had a lot of fun covering soccer this year. The soccer people seemed to really respond well to what we were doing here. I heard a lot of good feedback from people in the field uh, saying they enjoyed Just for Kicks, so we appreciate that. Uh, well, we, we mentioned during the year that there's a niche audience for soccer. I mean, obviously there's a lot of popular po- – football is very popular, and it's always going to bring more – eyeballs on those stories and those podcasts and those broadcasts but i think soccer there's a place for it and i think i'm glad we were able to find a niche and i hope people enjoyed it and uh hopefully we'll be back next year and i loved getting to know some of the parts of the state in soccer that i just never had covered before you know i got the ccc was a real treat to cover this year and very good obviously and very good that's what i mean like excellent excellent soccer as we saw in the state tournament and we'll talk about that as we get into it but with all the state finalists they had um clearly the best conference uh, this year, uh, at least on the boys' side. Uh, we want to talk about uh, – we're, we're looking for all-state nominations. Joe's putting together the girls' team for Game Time CT. I'm putting together the boys' t- uh, team for Game Time CT. Send in those nominations to Joe and I through our email uh, or through Twitter or however you want to get in touch with us. Um, and let us know if you have a, a kid from your team who you feel is worthy of being on the all-state team first and second teams we're going to do with uh, 12 kids on each team uh, those will be out in the next couple weeks correct i would say yes probably in december would be a safe bet that's a safe bet yeah um all the games this weekend were moved to sunday were there any issues at at middletown with getting the snow off the field no i mean there were a couple on the sideline but they were able to clear out for the corner kicks area but you know I, I had a feeling on Thursday, just having done this for so many years, that there's just no way they were going to get these fields cleared. I think it's asking a lot for whatever the reasons are. To ask, you're asking personnel to work on Saturdays and Fridays to try to clear the field, and and even though it was nicer on Saturday than Sunday, this it wasn't enough time. I mean, it was a snowstorm we normally don't get around the 15th of November, despite the cold weather. And <laughs> and I I, I think. I, at least in Middletown, they should be commended for the work they did. I can't speak for West Haven, but you can speak for uh, Veteran Stadium. Yeah, New Britain was, you know, when I got there at 11 a.m., hour and a half before the games, they were still clearing snow. You did early. What time did you leave your house? I, 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 I like to get places early. I don't like to be late, so I leave early. It's an hour and 15-minute drive to New Britain for me, so I like to get up there and get so settled So you left in. about 9 o'clock? Uh, yeah, around there. Uh, 9.30-ish. Okay, 9.30. 9.45. All right. Um, stop for a bagel, but, you know. Uh, they were still clearing snow off one of the corners. I guess right. they had worked all day Saturday, gotten to the point where it was going to be overtime, so had to come back. But the field was clear. Um, you couldn't really get a long run for throw-ins, but both teams are in the same boat there, so right. it's not really affecting the game too, too much. Uh, and the corners were clear. The benches were clear. Uh, and I, in the games that I saw, there was no issues with the snow that was right off the side of the field mm-hmm. affecting play. Right in any way other than making the balls a little wet once in a while. Um, so kudos to all the guys, that all the town workers and all those places that got those fields ready. It's not easy to clear those turf fields no, of, of all that snow because you're, you're literally it's just guys with shovels 
on a hundred yard pitch, you know, however wide it is too, to, to go out and shovel all that stuff. They have snow blowers and stuff, but it's not like they can put a plow down on those turf fields and no. and go across on them. So well, kudos to all those who were able to do it. I honestly thought there was a possibility going into the weekend after Thanksgiving. That thought crossed my mind because when it was Sandy in the 12 and then the year before that with a freak winter storm around, if you remember, they yeah, postponed Halloween. the finals yeah. both years. So after Thanksgiving, and people have vacations, people are going away. Some of us are taking time off after a long season. So, and, and while that is neither here nor there, it's decisions that have to be made. I'm glad. I don't like Sundays personally. I'm not a big fan of the basketball games being on a Sunday, but this is the day and age where if you want to have championship games, sometimes you have to make that sacrifice and end up being a good day all the way around, I think. I think so, too. I, I mean, I think the CIAC did a good job to get everyone – on a schedule on a different day, kind of shift some games up so that they're not playing in the mornings. They don't like to play in the morning. So people because, can because do Sunday service. And, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so starting everything at 1230, that made sense. You know, that the late game was a little chilly, but there was no wind that the I kids don't play. It wasn't windy I, and it, so wasn't, that it was, wasn't warm. It was warm. I mean, Thanksgiving, it's in a couple of days, it's going to be cold <laughs> for a lot of people. But for the soccer, it was act- the weather was actually nice. I thought it was colder than the semis, honestly, because it was, oh, windy, it was brutal. It was windy Wednesday, Wednesday was brutal. Yeah. Yep. Um, but anyway, CIAC and all those town people that did all that stuff, great job. Yep. I do want to talk about – we're going to talk about it class by class, girls and boys. I do want to talk about one thing that kind of irked me before the tournament started, which was – I'm not going to call it the writer by name, but he wrote a story saying that calling the old Lyme Immaculate Girls game a sham, and that's the word he used, a sham, saying that Immaculate's got no business playing in Class S. Uh, we've talked to the coach of Immaculate about this on this show – he almost agrees that they should, probably should be up in Class M. Regardless, they're in Class S, and the basis of the story was saying that Old Lyme, who's the defending champions, by the way, in Class S, two-time defending three. champions, three times now. No, but, why? But they lost a co-champion the year oh, before. Oh, co-champion. Okay, so right. they're coming in. They're not you know, the little sisters of the poor here. No. They were coming in to play Immaculate. Obviously, Immaculate's a school of choice. We all know that, but... Old Lyme won the game 2-1 to one after being told that they had no chance by this writer. I thought it was a really unfair thing to do to high school kids to label them that, saying, look, you got no chance in this game because Immaculate can draw kids from all these different regions. We've talked about this before where in basketball, I think it makes sense to really get those schools out of S because you can have one or two kids that can change a roster. I don't see it in soccer, and the results of these state tournaments don't play it out at all. There was no schools of choice in the boys' soccer finals, and Immaculate was the only girls' school of choice in the girls' tournament. So the argument for me just doesn't hold up at all. And the fact that Old Lyme won, I think, is so great for those kids and such vindication because I thought it was a really crummy thing to do to them to label them as having no chance just because Immaculate can draw kids from other schools. And I don't think, it, honestly, I don't think it's fair to the Immaculate kids either that you're saying to them hey you're going in with a loaded gun and the other person's coming in with you know to fight with a pencil you're like i mean it, i i just thought you said all these things on the field and that's what happened this week that analogy made no sense <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie that was that was bizarre but i i do i do wanted to, i wanted to chime in a little bit with a point and i was speaking to someone this is pete um, by the way. <clears throat> hi producer pete um i was talking to someone pretty knowledgeable about soccer and and we were kind of talking about the issue last night and he brought up the fact that a lot of these schools 
especially in a sport like soccer, it's a little different than basketball. When you have feeder programs that go back to when these kids are seven, eight years old, and they're playing with each other for 10 years, yeah. that's that's more than you know bringing in kids who come in and only play four years together. I mean, that's, that's a way to look at it, especially with the boys. Like you said, there were no schools of choice in the boys' finals, and you look at all those schools, all those kids have been playing together since they were kids. So I think that has a little bit more of an effect to um, – in soccer than it does maybe any other sport. I think soccer, you gain more from playing with other kids, the same kids for years and years like that. The Tallinn girls all talked about how they've played together since third grade when they after they won the championship because you build cohesiveness. And in soccer, you really need to know where the other kid's going to be, how you're going to pass the ball, how you're going to move the ball. That's how strategy works in soccer. Um, Joe, I don't know if you have anything to add to this. Uh, or what well, like I'll mention it by name. Listen, Mike Demora and I go back <laughs> a long way. No, yeah, and that's fair. I agree that Macca shouldn't be an S. But I agree Nelson, with that too. No, yeah. no. But Nelson, as he we, we had him on, I asked him for a story that a couple of days before the podcast, and he would agree. And he also came up with a good point. Maybe the CIC should reseed this tournament after the regular season, which was never going to happen. But right. it's a good, and then Immaculate would be higher up. But maybe an old line probably would have still been an S because they didn't have a very good regular season. But they played great in the tournament. They got all their kids back. The, the issue, I think, is the timing of the story. I realize you have to do it because they're playing in the final. But we all knew Immaculate was going to be in the final. And they, this is an upset. I don't care what anyone says. But here's what the, – the other issue is what Paul Gleason said in the story about the only way this changes is maybe if the public schools stop showing up to games. And that's the only way – to get them out. And maybe that's what happens, but I don't... Listen, we've all heard stories about uh, teams threatening to leave leagues because of the Catholic schools and the domination, this and that. To me, I've always felt that Catholics, I'm on record for saying this, that the schools of choice should be an L or double L. doesn't mean I'm right. That's just the way I felt, and at least in basketball. Um, but again... Like you said, they're almost in this sport is dominated by public schools, and I honestly and then I think it's a it was a really great game. Having watched the game and watching Meyer Johnson score her hundred the hundred first, it was a great game. Yeah, and Owen did a great job to win. I just didn't don't think the timing of the story, the timing of what the coach said to well, maybe we shouldn't show up for these games. Well, you showed up for the final, Paul Gleason, and and he won, and, and he won. I not, but. I mean, the Shoreline doesn't have any schools of choice. The right. SWC, most bigger conferences do. It's just the nature of we're in. And, and listen, there's never going to be a time where the p- privates are going to have their own division of play. It's not going to happen. You have a better chance, to me, having the Tech, tech League having their own state tournament than that happening because there's not enough schools. and it, There's not enough teams for them to have their own tournament. Right. You, you do the best you can to try to adjust. But – and I think basketball has done that with the Division One. Yeah, you? they have. Yeah, and I mean, they've they've taken it to the hilt where they're not going to have their own tournament. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen in hockey. It's not going to happen in basketball. It's not going to happen in soccer. It's not going to happen in twiddlywinks. It's not going to happen. So I just, I mean, if Paul and those coaches feel that way, they don't want to show up for the games against the privates. That's fine. But the only times the Shoreline schools are going to play the private, well, I should take that back. Morgan used to play immaculate in girls soccer. Yeah, and. And, and in fact, they had a pretty good rivalry. I, I thought. I mean, so I don't. I understand why it was done, and I understand that Mike does his job, and I think he does it well. And and I think there's some points to it, but 
I just, you know, I I don't know where it goes other than I think Immaculate will be an M next year, I think, because they're in the finals because of this, because of because the, they obviously they do right. it by enrollment and then they do it by tournament success. And the reason why they dropped to S, as we discussed in an earlier podcast, was because they lost in the second round last year. Right. So, they, I mean, listen, we, we, we've had worse situations in, in other sports, as Way you worse, said. And I just course. think, you know, it is what it is. Mike's entitled to his opinion. I mean, I. I I, I glanced at the story, but I, I knew something like that was coming, and that's why I mentioned it. That's why we brought it up with Immaculate back because we knew, right? It, we uh, knew they were going to be in the final. We right. knew it was going to be an issue, and, and Nelson was flat, flat out honest about it and said, "Hey, look, we don't belong in there, but that's where we are, and that's where we're going to play." So it's on the CIA seat, and that's what I think Mike's issue is: Why does this keep happening? Right? Why does this keep happening where this team is in S? Why is capital prep and S in bad? I mean, that's that's the issue. Why is Wamogo in Division Three? I mean, yeah, we're, we're singling out certain things, but the majority of things I think they get right. It's just when they had doesn't go right, and the team like that ends up, and then people are squawking. But ended up being a great game. O line won, case closed. They won a state championship. I didn't think they were going to win it, but they did. And kudos to them and Maya Johnson who had a great career. We'll get onto that more later. Yeah, we're going to come back and talk about all the games. Uh, We're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we'll be right back on Just for Kicks. Don't miss a pass, pitch, or putt this season. Sign up for the Whistle newsletter and get the latest news and stories sent straight to your inbox from GameTimeCT.com. And we're back on Just for Kicks. Uh, Speaking of the Class S Girls Tournament uh, final, uh, Joe, you saw that game. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit and tell me what you saw in the Class S Girls final. I saw the end of a great career in Maya Johnson. She's the best player on the field, and she's going to Con College, as I wrote in the story earlier this year. And, again, I've been fortunate enough to watch her play on the shoreline. I think she started every game, and obviously they're going to miss her greatly. The, The last link to that the senior class of four straight state champions, a co-championship the first year. But um, Immaculate took a lead like three and a half minutes into the game, and then the, slowly but surely the field started to tilt, and it was more old lime. And then she had a couple of free kicks, and boom, boom, one in the first half, one in the second half. And they had the better of the play. And, you know, kudos to them. I mean, as we discussed in the first part of the broadcast, I mean, they have had a great run. They had injuries during the year. I saw them against North Brantford they, early on, they, but they started to put it all together. They beat a team, Cromwell, who they lost to in the first round of the Shoreline Tournament in the States. And, and obviously, you know, and they played great down the stretch, and it was, it was nice to see because they're obviously the, the class S is dominated by Shorelines, but to beat Immaculate, who plays a very good schedule and is a very good team, in the Southwest Conference is a is a great accomplishment, and they beat Holy Cross the year before that, and two years ago they were co champs with Notre Dame Fairfield, so they know these teams well. Right, and, they, and again, and, 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 and the common theme as we do is all they're facing a team of choice in the final, but Immaculate the last time they lost in Class S final was in 1996, so they have dominated the league. Yeah, so. But old Lyme, to win four straight is not easy with all the turnover you have with well, absolutely kids. Absolutely not. That, that's a really incredible feat. That's a great accomplishment for that program. Absolutely. Um, on the Class S boys' side, I mean, that w- this sounds like a great game. I wasn't at this one, but Old Saybrook. I, was. I know. <laughs> Old Saybrook with their first title since 1983, beating Shoreline and rival Morgan. Uh, two goals they scored early in the second half. Um, Morgan had knocked them out of the tournament last year in the semifinals. These teams play each other four times this year, right? 
Four times. Four times this the year. The last two years. Uh, and then Sean Ryan and uh, Jack Colella goals for them. Uh, what did you see in this game? You, you saw this game live. Well, just to clarify, it's eight times. It's kind of my lead. Because eight times in the last so, two years. Yeah. There's so many, as my, my story wrote, because, I mean, it's, I mean the, the Morgan coach played for Sam Barnes, the Sabre coach, coached with him. And it's a rivalry because there's not – there's a not uh, bitterness is the wrong word. There's a little bit of what's the word I'm looking for. There's um, it's not a friendly rivalry. Right. There's, there's animosity. Yeah, I think animosity is probably a good word. And if you read the quotes today from the Morgan, it's like they felt they had a lot of the better play and, and should have won, and, but they didn't get the goal. And I think uh, Old Saber did a nice job being able to shut down to Zach Tecito and Davis Eternal, who have scored and assisted on goals throughout the year. Um, and they really didn't have a sniff yesterday at all. Uh, it was a it was a great game. Again, we, all these games are one goal games. And and hey, you know, say like I said, they were the better team last year. They had a better team yeah. last year. Lost in PKs to Morgan. Morgan had a better team this year. There is no question about that. But Old Saber won the most important game, yep. and that's what's going to be remembered. And like I said, it's the first state title since 1983, and uh, that rivalry is the best in the shoreline for boys soccer, and it's going to continue as long as those coaches are there. I don't think it's bitter. I think it's like I said, a little enough. I think eventually they'll talk it out. I'm sure, but right now, there's a little bit of there's I, a little I, bit of anger because I mean they knocked them out last year. They knocked beat them, prevented a, a repeat because obviously we've talked about how great old line girls to to win for and well. Morgan trying to win a repeat. And they weren't able to do it. I think having animosity towards your rival is great. I mean, you know, I mean, you want to respect them and treat them fairly as an opponent, but they shouldn't like each other, especially when they're playing this many times a year. They're playing in the same conference. They're playing for the same state titles. Like, sure, I, if I was a kid, I wouldn't like the kids from the other team at all. You know, like, I mean, I think that's good in high school sports. You, you want to respect your opponent, but you don't need to like a, a rival. I know? wonder if Morgan goes. I don't know how exactly it works. I wonder if Morgan moves up because I know they're a little bit bigger school than Old Saybrook, so they may move up to M. So yeah. we'll see. But, yeah, I I think that plays into it. I mean, they, <laughs> they don't have to play nice. If they, yeah. are, they don't have to, like you said, and that probably adds to it. I think it does. I think it makes it more fun for everybody when there's actual animosity on the field. You don't want kids fighting or anything like that, but – there's no reason that you have to like people, you know. Like you, you don't have to like your rivals. You should uh, have a little disdain for them sure. when, you, when you go onto the field. A little disdain, a little disdain. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about. I'm going to talk about the Class M boys game here. Uh, was that at your site or was that West Haven? That oh, that was my. That was ours. That was ours. <laughs> I'm so confused here. Yeah. <laughs> Pete was there. Yes. Um, and Mike Fornabio covered that game. That's right. Uh, Plainville and Ellington. Plainville, what a story Plainville was. The number 23 seed, the lowest seed to ever win a soccer state title on the boys' side. Uh, they scored with 11 minutes left. Um, Plainville had, coming out of the CCC, they had played three of the state finalists this year, Hall, Maloney, and Glastonbury. Obviously, that gets them ready to go and run through Class M. Still kind of a surprise that a 23 seed made that run, but We've talked all season about how good the CCC was, and this is another example of that. We'll talk about it, too, with Maloney making a run to their final. But for Plainville as a 23 seed to come in here and beat Ellington, who was one of the higher-ranked teams all season in Class M, uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. You know, Jamie Rauchy with the goal. Dane Stevens, who's a really fast, creative player for them, won the MVP of the game. Ellington, again, like I said, had an awesome season. But for Plainville to come in here and win this as a 23 seed, 
kudos to them, and they have a lot to be proud of. And the CCC as a conference has a lot to be proud of. They're always good in soccer. This year they were exceptional, and for Plainville to get this championship uh, really shows that. I uh, wonder if there's a feeling that for – and, again, this is just public schools that maybe – Plainville shouldn't be an M. I wonder if there's a feeling. No, I'm sure they would never. People, I'm not saying the only team was thinking that, but I, I kind of wonder if people think that teams in the CCC should be L and double L. But Plainville's size of their school is. I'm not just. I'm not saying is. I'm just. I'm thinking it because you know they won. It's a CCC team. Feeling well, why aren't they? I'm sure there's people who think who have thought that. And maybe people think that. I'm not the first person who is thinking that. Right. There's no way. And I'm sure people think that in other sports too, where you know, where if there's an FCAC or an SWC team that's down in yeah. a lower class, you think, well, these teams play. But so it's not just it's not just the parochial schools. It's 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 people in the larger schools think they should be an L and double L, and it should be all small schools should be down in the lower divisions. And well, Plainville there, is there a is small school, and, and Plainville, the coach I said this after that. the game, he goes, "We don't have a deep bench, so that makes it harder for us to compete against Glastonbury and Farmington." I and, I agree with all. I'm just wondering if people teams. think that way now that they won it. A 23 seed. That's well, we can ask the guy from the day if he wants to write a column on it. I'm not, no, no. <laughs> Differently. All right. What did you see in the class? Um, did you see the class? I, I did not, but yeah. I, I I saw Lewis Mills in the um, semifinals and our producer. Shout Pete, out to the Berkshire. Yeah, he, he covered Lewis Mills a lot. And then, listen, they were one of the – I think they might be the only undefeated, untied team, I believe, of all the – was Town? Yeah, because Ellington uh, lost boys. Yeah, Talon girls, they weren't undefeated, right? Uh, I don't think so. Let me double check that. I know Richfield wasn't. I no. know O-Line wasn't. I know Han wasn't. I know Morgan. Uh, no, Talon was not. Talon had two losses. So that's kudos to Lewis Mills, un- untied. Yep. I mean, we had talked about throughout the year about how many shutouts they had. And then in the game I saw in the semifinals, I mean, Morgan put three goals on him, and it was a great game. Went to penalty kicks. It was obviously it was great theater in the semifinals Monday night. Uh, obviously, I didn't see this game, but we've talked about Lewis Mills. We talked about Plainfield making the ECC tournament final for the third straight year, making their first state semifinal and winning in PKs in the quarters and the semis to get to their first final and losing 2-1 in OT. And I, I, I think they were pretty happy to do what they were able to accomplish. Yeah. And, and um, again, it's also Lewis Mills' first state championship. So it was a great, obviously, atmosphere. It was a great game. And two equal teams, and Grace Buchanan uh, scored in overtime for them to win two to one. And uh, again, kudos. We used to throw that word around a lot. We're saying a lot today, but but, I mean, but Lewis Mills—they won a state championship, unbeaten, untied. And, and kudos to Plainfield. Again, we talked about about their sister combination, about the, but they had a great team. Yeah, and I was glad I was able to do something on them. Unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to see them in the tournament, but you can't be everywhere. And again, Lewis Mills did a great job, and they were the first state championship. All right, we're going to take a real quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about Class L and Double L. We'll be right back on Just for Kicks. Every Monday evening, join us for the Game Time CT High School Football Podcast. Sean Patrick Bowley, Kyle Brennan, and Pete Pawaga bring to you the best high school football coverage across the state. You get an immediate reaction to the Game Time CT media poll on top of discussions that go beyond just the games. All right, we're back on Just for Kicks. Uh, we're going to talk about the Class L tournaments. Actually, Joe saw the boys game here, and I saw the girls. So I'm going to let Joe talk about the boys and hands uh, three-peat, uh, one over win, one nothing win over Maloney. Oh, it's my turn? Okay, no. Scott, this story, has had a nose for the ball all year. He's the leading scorer. Um, sophomore, right? Yeah, sophomore. Yeah. And, and obviously, 
I had the video evidence. I, I had to look at it a couple of times. It's kind of hard to see, but I was able to get it, and he did have the header. And uh, it's like they knew exactly – they know where they're going to be on these corner kicks. They practiced them for months and months yeah. and months, and, and they were able to score. But listen, they dominated the game, 16-2 to two shots, at least according to me. Um, and, it, again, we've talked about how hard is the repeat and, and the four-peat. For him to three-peat in Class L is an, a tremendous accomplishment. They did over three different head coaches. and uh, That's what's crazy, three different head coaches. Well, you remember, that, there was an incident last year where they – Right, they, right. And, and Anthony Mincy was the interim coach. So they were going to clear the slate and go with Greg, and who was a promotion coach premier. And he did a great job because, I mean, I, I listened to some of his post-game stuff. I mean, they were dead to rights against Weathersfield. Yeah. And – In the semis. Could, yeah, yeah, and it was – they were – I was down there ready to – for post game, and then get a foul. Lee Wilderman steps up, one twenty four left, knocks it in. I gotta go back to the press box. <laughs> We're going to overtime, and then they scored three goals in overtime between the two teams. Two uh, ten wi- minute wild game. Yeah, it was, and it was cold as we mentioned already. And yeah. and like that's when you say you start to believe oh, they're gonna win. And then listen, Maloney. I didn't even realize that Dave Parnes, I happen to know from Maloney, he was a, used to be the basketball coach at North Brantford, and he did a great job. I mean, they won twice in penalty kicks. They beat Wilcox Tech, as we mentioned. They beat yeah. Brantford, who I happened to get there just in time. to see, I happened to be in the living town, like I said. They just saw the goal, and then Avon they beat in penalty kicks. I mean, it's a great story. But they were a little outmatched, a little over outmanned against Hand. Hand dominated, and it would have been disappointing for them to have lost this game on a counterattack goal by Maloney. But Hand did. They have the three peat. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some debate whether they should be number one in the coaches' poll or not. I don't know. I think usually they give it to the double all champion. We can talk about that later. Um, I'm glad I don't have a vote. So, um, but again, what to win three in a row in soccer? It's tough. I think it's, it, it's really tough to do. Especially in those upper two, upper two. Yeah, and uh, you know, I guess they'll still they'll remain in S uh, L by enrollment. So I mean, I wonder if they ever go to double L. I don't know how, again how that all works, but I mean, good luck beating this team because they got a lot, got a lot of kids coming back too. Yeah, they got some really good young players. You know, I mean. Jason Wallach and Scott Story and yeah. So I mean, they again as we've mentioned off the air. I mean, teams that have good feeder programs find a way to keep winning. Right. And for 19 years, Hand didn't win a state championship, and now they won three in a row. So yeah. something's going right over. Yeah, there. absolutely. And shout-out to Maloney, again, from the CCC, another yep. CCC finalist. Right. Uh, great run through the tournament. And you wonder yeah. if they'll be able to build from this and be able to be a program to be reckoned with in, in, a, in a great league. They play in a great league, so they, they know how to win, and that league prepares you for state tournament play, as we're seeing by a lot of these teams. Yeah. I saw the L girls game. Uh, Talland beat Farmington 2 nothing. Talland was all over Farmington almost the entire game. Farmington had one shot at it in the second half. It was still a one nothing game. Uh, Talent had scored early in the first half, like five minutes into the game. And then Farmington had a shot uh, and put the ball in the back of the net, but a handball was called. It was the right call. Everyone saw it. Uh, And that was really the only chance they had at scoring. Talent came down a few minutes later, made it 2-0 at that point. It was over. These Talent girls, another example of a great feeder program. They all talked about after the game. I talked to Lindsey Papa, you know, who's probably their best player and was named MVP of the game. Sure. They've all been playing together since third grade, all these girls from Tolland. And Tolland hadn't won a championship in a really long time. 1985. 85. They hadn't been in the final since 89. That's a soccer-rich town, but they hadn't made a championship game. And it, was a, it wasn't a super competitive final because I thought Tolland was in control most of the game. But an awesome performance from one team in a championship game to have a, a goal of winning that championship and to go out 
and to take care of business convincingly in the final. Uh, that says a lot about the girls they have up there. And I was really impressed with them. And the emotion from the players after the game on the winning side was something I haven't seen very often. They were the winning teams all in tears and hugging each other. And they were just. No, it's all over. This is, this is, they know it's over. This yeah. is what it, they're building to this moment. And it's so important to them and to, to achieve it. It's something I could never understand because I never played. So I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it either. I mean, I know the feeling I had from winning, like, stupid regular season games. I never played in a state championship at any level. Um, and for these girls, you just felt really good for them. And you could just sense the the happiness and the relief of it and how much had gone into it for that long of a period of time to be playing together. To culminate that with a state championship, it doesn't happen. For most players end their careers on a loss. You know what I mean? Like 95% of the 98, players. 90, probably 98.5 or 99%. Yeah, you end, your, you end your high school career with a loss. Right. You know what I mean? Unless, sure. Unless you're not good enough to make a playoff and you win the regular season or something like that. But if you're playing in the tournament, you lose. So to win the championship, for that to be your goal and to do it, awesome job by Tolland. I, I was really impressed with that. And, and obviously, as we mentioned, kudos to Farmington. They beat Mercy, the top seed, to yep. get to the quarterfinals. And they beat another team handing penalty kicks to get – so they beat two SEC teams to get to the uh, uh, to the final. And obviously, another CCC program who's obviously understands how to win and the tradition of winning at Farmington. And I'm sure they'll be back in the future. Uh, the Double L girls game. Neither of us were at that. That was played at Ward, correctly? Is that no? They moved West it Haven? to West Haven West because Haven. Ward was the one place where they probably wouldn't be able to get their field ready. Oh, the snow, right? Yeah, and okay. Richfield won one nothing. Uh, Twenty one shutouts, no goals allowed in the Double L state tournament. Crazy. Megan Kozlowski scored it in the first half, and that was the only goal that stood up. It's funny, the one time I saw Richfield was their last loss against St. Joe's back on uh, October 15th, and they've won every game since then, most of them by shutout. And obviously, as we discussed uh, last week, well, we've discussed in the past, Richfield, Staples, all FCAC final again, and it was a great game, obviously. And uh, Richfield was able to uh, prevail and win an, another double L championship. I'm sure they'll finish number one in the uh, state coaches L double L poll, if I had to guess. And I think they deserve it. I mean, we talked all year about how the FCAC was the best girls conference, at least right. the top half of that conference. Yep. Um, we thought Glastonbury maybe could make a run there in double L with the girls, but it how was, would, it was uh, two FCAC schools. How yeah. would Richfield and Talon? How would that? How would Talon here? here? I'm just curious how it would be. I'm sure it'd be a good game. I think it'd be a really good game. You know, that Richfield defense is just really hard to deal with. So right. Talon has the girls that could compete with them. I think it'd be a competitive game for sure. I think Talon could compete and win in double L also. I, you know, I didn't find them to be a, a, an L school only. Um, I thought they were really good. I thought they were good as any FCAC team I saw this year, you know, c competition wise. So I think they could hang with Ridgefield. I think I'd give the edge to Ridgefield there just because sure. they've proven it on, you know, on the highest level at double L. Double L boys game I saw up in. At Veterans Stadium, that was the first game of the day. Glastonbury won their fifth championship in six years. I mean, that tops the stuff we're talking about with hand and old line. I mean, that is really, really incredible. They, I saw them the their second game of the season, and their coach said, "I've never, you know, my kids are being really selfish. I don't know what we're going to do this year. We're in a lot of trouble." And they lost another game after that. And then whatever started to click with that team peaked in the state tournament they got to the state tournament and they played their best soccer there I, I thought they got outplayed by Greenwich in the quarters and could have lost that but they got through and they won that game and there's something to be said about teams that know how to win these games mm -hmm. and Glastonbury knows how to win these games look 
Hall had six corner kicks that they didn't convert on the game. Uh, they had a really good chance off a corner kick in the second half, and sophomore Zach Gardner cleared the ball off the line. The ball was past the goalie. He stuck to where he was supposed to be on that post on the corner kick. Second time in the tournament that a sophomore in that position, holding the line on a corner kick, Pat Sullivan was the other guy who did it against Greenwich in the quarters, essentially saved their season with those plays because that game gets tied and goes overtime. Who knows what they're talking about? Sure. Um, the most remarkable stat for me here is that Glastonbury did not allow a goal in this tournament or last season's tournament in double L. That is crazy to not let up a goal and really speaks to the defense they play. And once they get a lead, they got four back to start. And once they get a lead and it gets late in the second half, there's five, six kids back there. And you can see, unless there's going to be a foul and a set piece, it's going to be really hard for that team to break through that back line. Alec Hughes scored the goal. Um, there were some questions from Hall as to whether he was offsides. It was close. You had video evidence. I have of it. video evidence of it. You know, from my angle, he may have been a step offside. The referees on the other side of the field, the line, the guy who was running the lines on the other side of the field, he may have seen a Hall kid who I couldn't see who was up a little more. Nothing was called. How quickly before the wait? It was not offsides, correct? No offsides was called. Okay, it was no, no offsides. Okay. That was the that was the right. goal. That right, was right. The goal, that was the goal. So. Right. No offsides. Okay. My apologies. Now the ball got banged forward, banged back, and then played up. And so it was fat. It was quick. With the naked eye, you, I, I, it's very hard to tell. It's very hard to make that call. Um, I wouldn't have a problem either way. With in live time, I didn't have a problem with the call either way. Looking back at the video is a little different where I can stop it and see, oh, this kid's here, this kid's here. But I think it was a fair goal. Um, Hall's obviously going to argue with that. Uh, and Do they feel like they were jobbed? I think that they – From what you – No, the coach didn't say anything. The players didn't say anything. But I've heard things from fans afterwards saying that they thought it was offsides. You know, That's fans talk. They, and they think, and I'm sure some of the kids think it was offsides too. I didn't go speak to every kid. No, after, I after understand the game, it, but, the, but, but nobody really went on record and said. No one went on record saying it. The coach didn't even mention the play after the game in the post game interview. That's class. Um, That's yeah, I was, Zeke Seguro is a great, great guy. He's yep. been there for 24 years. Sure. He made his first final after seven semifinal appearances. So you felt good yep. for Hall. Yep. Hall's got some kids coming back, some younger players. Uh, they could be back there next year. That that program's really at a good place right now. You want to know the, the other good thing about yesterday was? What's that? No co-champions. Because I, I there was honestly, no co-champions. That's I good. honestly think in the one game that I covered at Middletown four years ago, Brantford Avon, I just get the sense there's a hollow feeling. They yep. don't know how to celebrate. And I understand you don't want to see penalty kicks decide a state championship game, but maybe you should because you should have a winner and a loser because I just think co-champions just – doesn't work. Maybe looking down the road, they say, well, we had a piece of the title. I just, they don't know how to react. They don't know how to, do you celebrate? Do you just stand there? Because one team dominates usually, and the other team is hanging on for dear life, usually in those situations. We didn't um, even have any overtime yesterday, right? No. Uh, well, no, a Lewis Mills in the. Um, a Lewis Mills went to overtime. Right. That's the only one of the f eight soccer games, right? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like everyone else was playing to win. I mean, I didn't feel like the games were, the games I saw were not conservatively played. I mean, teams came out oh, attacking no. and trying to score and trying to go. And, Sometimes teams will just sit back and – Well, that's what Morgan thought that Old Saybrook was doing. They were going to sit back, play defense, and counter. And maybe that's the – That's their way, style play. But, but that's the only way they could beat them. Right. If they try to go man-only-man, Morgan would have blown their doors off. And they did during the season. So maybe they made the adjustment. And I, I'm sure other teams sat back and said, come get us, especially when you have a lead. 
you drop people back. That's just a natural thing. But again, I'm glad there are no co-champions. I'm glad they were all right winners, and they were all great games. And again, kudos to the to the cleaning crews to be able to get everything done so we could have games on Sunday and not prolong anymore. Because as we discussed, the weather's going to get colder. You have more snow. And that's what football is going to have to deal with the rest of their season. That's football's problem. That's right. Uh, I, I, you know, well, it's our problem too. It's our problem too, but it's not soccer's problem. That's true. Uh, yeah, I said to Pete as soon as the Hall Glastonbury game started, I said Hall's being aggressive here. I said Hall's only got three kids right. back. They got four kids in the midfield. They're going to try to attack, and they did the whole game. They and honestly, Hall had better of the play, just didn't get the goal. But that made the game. It made the game interesting and, right. o- and opened up the game. If Hall decides to play a bunch of kids back, that game's a real slog for a little while. But they didn't. They came out aggressive. They wanted to try to win a state championship. I think that's their style of play, too. But it, it matched up well. Uh, listen, we've had a lot of fun. You had fun doing this, Joe? I enjoyed it. It went pretty well. I think, um, again, like I said, there's a place for soccer. And I, we were able to get out and see games we, we may uh, have normally been able to do had we not had this podcast in Game Time CT. So... We were, I was glad to do it. I enjoyed it. And like I said, hopefully we'll be back next year. We are going to be back next year. We're going to see you guys next September when Just for Kicks returns. Uh, Joe will be doing a boys basketball podcast this winter. There's going to be hockey. Uh, Pete and I will be back for baseball in the spring. Uh, but soccer will be back in the fall. We want to thank all the soccer communities for embracing this show and all the love you've shown us all year. Uh, for Joe, I'm Scott. This has been Just for Kicks. See you.